Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 1871 podcast. And I'm delighted to say our special guest for this episode is former Reading FC technical director, Brian Teverden. So welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, before we speak to Brian, uh, we've got a little bit of good news to bring you about the 1871 podcast because Johnny has checked where we are on the Apple Football podcast chart. And I'm very pleased to say that the 1871 podcast has moved up from outside the top 100 up to 70th place on the Apple Football podcast chart. So that's good news for us. Um so thanks for uh, giving me the heads up on that one, Johnny. Uh, happy to oh. happy to get that news. We're one place behind the Brian McClare podcast, so I don't know. Oh. Not bad. Um, <laughs> well, well done, let's well done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, thank you, Brian. Um, so before we speak to Brian, here's a quick heads up for you uh, for what's coming up this week on the eighteen seventy one podcast. So tomorrow we're concluding our Red NFC Top One Hundred series by looking at our top five influential people in Reading's history. Um, and then on Wednesday, our special guest is Andy Bernal. And then on Thursday evening, our guest is Reading women's defender, Lily Woodham. And then on Friday evening, our guest is Linvoy Primus. So that's all coming up this week. And all of those episodes are available anytime from 6pm onwards. And then um, as soon as Reading announce their next manager will be bringing you a special up um, episode with our reaction to the appointment. Um, so there's a few names in the hat. Johnny and I have discussed that already. Uh, you, the fans, have got your own ideas. We we know that. Um, but for now, let's speak with Reading F- the former Reading FC technical director, Brian Teverden. So just by way of a, a brief reminder and a brief introduction to you, Brian, you're you're a former player, of course. You worked as a coach at Ajax before joining Reading in February 2016. And you were actually initially appointed as head of international football and development. And then you took over as technical director a couple of months later after Nick Hammond left. 
Um, yep. And in September 2018, you left to become chief executive at Belgian club, and forgive my pronunciation, KSV Rosalar. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. Oh, well, good guess. <laughs> uh, well, well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah, and you've been, um, been working with the Suriname FA um, for some time, and you've recently been appointed general manager of the Suriname FA. Um, yeah. But I want to start by taking you back to your time at Reading. Um, and can you start by telling us how, how the role at Reading came about initially? Uh, yeah, as, as you uh, said before, I came in as the head of international football and development. Um, I very close uh, with Nicky Hammond at that period. Um, so everything was international, internationally with, with scouting, uh, uh, recruitment development, uh, playing style, etc., etc. It was on my uh, in my pocket. And then I think after month, Nicky Hammond left to uh, to West Brom, and then the board came to myself to myself and asked me if I want to do the job. Um, I said yes, uh, but under the guidance of uh, Nigel Howe, uh, first I think the first four months was as an interim, and I think after two months they came already. Brian, uh, you want to do it permanently? And I said, let me finish the window first, and then after that uh, I took over the job. And to be totally honest, it was a, a fantastic time. It was difficult, but um, we had a good period, a good period at the club. Yeah, and and during that time at the club, though, you, you know that. It was during um, a period of, of some changes with owners and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, when, yeah. when, when you look back, Brian, at your time at Reading, um, yeah, how do you reflect on that? What, what do you feel like you achieved? What are you most proud of during your time at Reading? For me, it was not personally, but for me, what I'm really proud of, of course, you know, um, with, with limited budgets, he came to um, to to Wembley in a playoff final, of course. But for me, uh, the most important thing was that we uh, had good connection with the fans, because there was no communication to the fans. Uh, everything was uh, it was a little bit in a grey area, and uh, I, I tried to do my best to give so uh, much information to uh, to the fans. There was a good cohesion within the club because we had fantastic people in the club. Uh, and we were like a family, and, I, and if you have that feeling and that that vibe around the club, then you can achieve more. And uh, that that was, that was for me the most important thing. And in the end, you know, uh, you see where we went in, in the playoff final. And yeah, after that, change will come, and then the whole vibe was uh, really negative within the club. Yeah. Really and and Johnny, I want to bring you in now. I've, I've still got plenty of questions that I'd like to ask Brian, but over to you. Yeah, Brian, I think one of the things that for a Reading fan, which took us by surprise, a lot has happened since this has taken us by surprise, but when, when Yap Stan came as manager, can you talk us through that process and, and how Yap became involved? Because I don't think many Reading fans would have picked him. <laughs> no, uh, so um, I think Nicky left uh, in mid-season. He uh, uh, left already from the club, so from there I took over already. Uh, so I uh, finished the season with, uh, with Brian McDermott. Uh, it was a fantastic manager, fantastic person, uh, um, and we were very close in the beginning. And then, in the end of the season, uh, the owner just uh, made the decision uh, to, to to go from new from new strategy. So for myself, it was really tough because I had a close relationship with Brian McDermott, and uh, uh, to, to sack him at the end of the season was my first thing, and it was really really tough. Yeah, as a young lad coming in, you have a good relationship with the manager. 
and then to tell him, you know, uh, the owners want to make a change. So that was my first task. And then uh, the process started. So um, I had a, a long-term strategy. Um, what I wanted to do was kind of manage your profile. So I had taken less of 10 persons and then you make it smaller, smaller, smaller. You go down to three uh, three managers. And one of them was uh, uh, Erik Ten Hag. And uh, we had, uh, he's now at Man United and he's doing a good job. Uh, we had a good, um, good conversation, how we wanted to do, how we wanted to play. How we want to run the club, uh, but in the end, um, I didn't have the money because yeah, I did his contract. I think it was three hundred k euro, but there was no budget, so I couldn't to bring him in. And then I uh, uh, came about with Yap, and uh, I gave him a call. And then the day after, he came to London. I had a chat with him, brought him to the, the Thai owner's house, and I think within three four days, so the deal was done. But the funny thing was when I when I Went to the boardroom. I say, uh, I think I uh, proceed with Yapsam. Everybody was laughing. And I say, Yapsam never gonna come to wedding. And I said, okay. And I walked the boardroom out, and uh, within ten minutes, I had him on the phone, and the rest is history. What was he like to work with from from your side? No, he was alright. He was alright. Um, of course, he was also uh, new in in a job as an, as, an, as a manager. Um, but we worked very closely together. There was a lot of communication. Um, no, I can't say he was not, not, not difficult. He was good for the lads. Of course, you know, he was uh, had a good history as a player. Uh, and he communicated with, uh, very good with the boys. Uh, the door was always open. So that communication and the work, uh, work ethic was, uh, was, was good. Was good. And, and you had some of the signings there, which kind of a different approach again. I think we, uh, Roy Behrens came in in Vandenberg. How, how, when you were going for possible signings, how would that approach? Do you go, oh, we need to sign the player? Are we looking in a different area where it's not been recruited? No, what you do, of course, you have a uh, playing style. In every position, you have an, a profile. What kind of player you wanna, uh, want to have on that, on that, uh, on that position um, from your strategy. And, of course, you have a list with a lot of players and you narrow it down. And, uh, of course, uh, Roy Brins, I know him very well, but, but Jav knows him really well. Yeah. And uh, he came to me, Brian, uh, can you take a look at Bairn? So well, I told my recruitment team uh, to put a lot of analysis on him. And, uh, and he was in that period, it was a little bit tough because he had a difficult time at, at Germany in that period. So, uh, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, uh, and the same was with, with the other players as well. And uh, I remember there was a lot of critic on uh, Sandro Wieser, was it? Wieser? I don't know if you guys remember him. Um, oh yes, yeah, Andre, Andre yeah, Wiesel, yeah, 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 yeah. Sandro, Sandro Wiesel. I think so he oh, was right. a midfield. He didn't play a lot, but with him was well, you know. Uh, we got him and they asked me, okay, Brian, can, can you bring him in? And it was a little bit of a fifty-fifty situation, but financially it was really, really, really nothing. So yeah. it was a little bit of a risk with nothing because uh, financially wise, we didn't have to pay any uh, fee on him, and his wages was. Like like a second team player, so it was not the risk. Of course, you, you take a couple of risks with with minimum minimum big risk, but um, every player it was uh, through commission myself, the owner uh, Nadja Howe, and uh, your recruitment team, of course, and, and the manager. So uh, it was not not never a decision by myself. Yeah. yeah. And how long does how long does that process take? You know, if you when you identify a player to getting them into the team, how how long was that for you? Kind of some kind of 
of course, you, for for example, for like Roy Bish, you, you know him as a player. So, but then you go down and you want to see what his playing minutes are. You know, uh, for the last two three years, uh, injury. You're gonna injury history. You're gonna take. You're gonna now pull everything out of him to see if he's okay. But the whole process take, I think maybe six seven months. Okay. Yeah. So there's not an. Uh, like a thing I say, okay, we're going to take him and we're going to pick him. No, this is really a research. That's why the recruitment team is so important. Yeah. And, and Brian, it, it certainly felt, you know, from a Reading fan perspective that there was some progress being made. Obviously, the club had had success previously, but it felt like with, with Nigel Howe there, with you there, um, yeah, it felt like quite a kind of promising time. Um, certainly from the Reading fans' perspective. Then, of course, Nigel left. Um, and and my next question... Biggest mistake. Biggest yeah. mistake. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, Nigel was there for years, so he knows the club from, from top to down and everything within the club. Um, and to be fair to him, uh, I worked with him very closely and uh, he, he supported me massively. And um, if I have to put it next to, to, to one... <laughs> Rongoli, that was a really disaster for the club. And uh, I'm a professional. I don't want to talk to lot, a lot about him. But, uh, I think it was a massive, massive mistake to, to, to get Nigel out of the club. But to be really honest, you could see it already when he left and, and Ron came You see people left the club from from down, down. Even Lee Heron was really uh, important for myself also in the academy because I, uh, I promoted him as an academy manager. Uh, and, and I think the difference between me is... When I came in the club, I worked with people within the club and developed people within the club. Because why should I bring uh, people from outside if they don't know the club? These people have known the club for years. So uh, give them the opportunity to step up. And that's what I did with a lot of staff members in the academy. Uh, that, that was the difference between me and Ron. Ron came in and kicked everybody out and, and made things difficult. And I think that was a big mistake when they uh, when they, uh, brought Nigel out. Uh, and what would... What were some some of your kind of main frustrations? You've mentioned a couple of them there, but what was your biggest frustration during Ron Gourlay's? The biggest frustration was uh, when I read with Nigel, um, I had everyday contact with Nigel, but uh, he, he knew my plan, my long-term plan, and he supported me in my plan. And uh, he was not always agreeing with myself, but that, that's normal in business, I think. As long as you can explain what you want to do, et cetera, et cetera. And with Rungoli, he, he the difference with him was he wanted to sit on my chair. And that was the thing, was the difference. And uh, he made a pause on, um, for example, renewing contracts for players. Uh, and then after a year, uh, uh, cancel the contracts. It's massive uh, financially. That's, that's, that's unbelievable. And uh, the other thing is, well, you know, he brought players in on big wages. And it was not, I was not, it was not my idea. And I was not happy with it. And, uh, um, yeah, I can go on and on and on, but yeah, that was the um, biggest frustration for myself. Because from from what I've read, you know, I've not spoken to you previously, but from what I've read, um, Ron Gourlay was kind of a key reason why he decided to leave. Um, would you have stayed at Reading? Do you think if if he wasn't CEO, or certainly if Nigel Howe, could you have seen hundred percent, hundred percent. And um, uh, even my wife, you know, she was uh, she was really happy with in Reading. Um, and and my, my youngest, you know, was born in uh, in Reading. So yeah, we were all uh, into the club with the people in the club. 
uh, no, 100%. If, if it was another year, I would stay in the club for sure. Um, yeah. I've got one one final question about when you when you left Reading, then I'm going to hand back to Johnny. But obviously you left and then two months later, Ron Gourlay leaves. What are you, What's going yeah. through your mind at that point? Stupid! I had to stay for two more years, two more months. <laughs> nah, I, I was, I was. Um, you know, you never can predict that after two months you will left. You know, you leave, you leave the club. So, of course, in your back of your head, you was like, ah, maybe I had to fight more, but I fought already for the whole season. You know, and uh, I, I'm not a person who's going to sit on the chair and uh, open his hand, hand every month and take take my wages. This is not me. I want to work, and. Uh, um, but yeah, it was a little bit sad to see when he when he left. Like, like ah, I had to stay for two more months, but it is what it is. I left, and um, but I think this, I was not important. But it was more important for the club that um, that the person was out of the club because it was unbelievable, unbelievable. Johnny, over to you again. Yeah, Brian, I think your, your uh, opinion of Bronze is shared by most Reading fans, to be honest, because as you've probably seen over the last few years, the decline of the club. Have you been following what's been going on since you left? And how things have gone down? I said it as well, you know, once a blue, always a blue. But 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 for me, even my wife is following the club. Sometimes she came, you know, uh, they're lost again, and then you're gonna follow them on social media or whatever. And of course, you're speaking to people within the club. Yeah, it is sad to see that Reading is a beautiful club with good people. They had good people in the club, and yeah. they still have good people in the club uh, from the from the old uh, regime. But it is sad to see that the club, with so much potential, uh, went down to League One. It is for me still unbelievable, and the, and the, the amount that we spend financially is is ridiculous. Uh, it's um, in, um, impossible that we that we are now in in, in League One. So painful. painful. It is. It is like, like for you. Like if you we're coming back in now, maybe you will wonder. Hopefully, looking at the club now, what what do you see as a rebuild? With what we've got, where we need to go, as you know, within your role when when you came in at different time, but how would you go through that process of restructure? One thing with Reading and um, what blesses soul was uh, Eamon Dolan, and there was the academy, yeah, and that was my my philosophy as well uh, because I came from Yikes Academy, and it was my first thing when I came in, and together with Nicky Hammond. I was looked straight in the academy, and because we had so much good players within the academy, and still they have good players in the academy. And uh, for me, it was really sad when I saw that both this player and that player. That player, I was like, ah. you know, we put yeah. so much, and and not, again, not myself, but Eamon Dolan put so much blood, sweat, and tears in this, this this academy. And then you see players coming with big wages, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the rebuild with this with this club now, Sergi, is build the academy again and and give young players because that is your future, and then you can make uh, you can make money on the players to get financially income again and revenues. But the academy is the, the the first thing you need to grade up and and, and give the chance to the to the, to the academy players to develop them. And how good is what I believe? How good was Eamon to work with? I didn't work very close to him because he was that period really sick. I spoke to him a okay, couple yeah, of times yeah, yeah. to show to show him respect, and uh, and he was really happy with that. But um, yeah, from what I hear, what people told me, you know, this so many people speak so highly about him that. that he can't be bad, to be totally honest. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and I spoke a couple of times with him and to show him respect. And, and the, the man had uh, left the legacy, legacy behind. So you need to build on that again. Yeah, hopefully. It's been uh, a tough time, isn't it? <laughs> a, it is. A it is. And, and that's why I say, you know, 
people think always, you know, with, with money, you can do everything. But it's not only about the money. It's, you need to have a strategy, but also the people within the club. You know, you had so yeah. much good people within the club. And that, that, that's why I was so, excuse my language, but so pissed when I saw that uh, they shift a lot of people out. Yeah. The people know the club better than myself, better than other people who came in the club. So it's painful to see. Brian, what do you think um, for you has been the the key thing that's been missing for Reading over the last few years? Because they have struggled. Okay, when when Paunovic came in, it was a good start to the season, but but it's fair to say over the last few years, well, since you left, basically, um, Reading have struggled. What what do you think has been the the key thing that's been missing for the club over the last few years? Uh, strategy as one stability. Uh, I, I, I like I like the phrase always, you know, that was like uh, the Reading way, and it's not only in playing style, but also, and I, I say it again, people within the club, you know, who has connections uh, with with the uh, with the town, uh, but also with uh, with the fans. There was no connection, totally no connection. And if you change manager every what is it every year, what kind of stability you create for the club? Nothing. So um, over the last years, it was every year there was another manager. Every year, tons of players coming in. Um, no good. No good. Um, a, a Reading have got a director of football, head of recruitment now in place, Brian Carey. Um, what do you think is the most important thing now for Reading to do over the summer? And and also, obviously, you know what all the fans want to know about is the manager. Um, what type of manager do you think Reading need following relegation to League One? You know what? For me, it's not difficult because I don't know what the, what the strategy is within the club. So it is for me difficult to tell them you need to do this and that. But of course, everybody knows how League One is. I think it is a tough league as well uh, with, with also big clubs in. Uh, and um, they will ask different things in League One than in the Championship because it is more physically, I think. Uh, so you need to have a, a strategy in recruitment-wise to get as soon as possible uh, out of League One to go back to the Championship. So, but for me now to tell them what kind of manager, etc., etc., is difficult because I don't know what the strategy is. Yeah. Johnny, I'll let you come back in now. Yeah, and then, Brian, you're saying when you came in, um, the names uh, slipped my mind, but the owners at Reading at the time when you were there, how how much involvement do they have in the club? Because with the big criticism now is that the owners aren't speaking and you know we've had this big relegation the points deductions and now there's been pretty much silence since the relegation how was it for you when you when you worked with the owners at your time well, with the Thai owners or the Chinese owners both <laughs> you got with, do you work with both no, no well um, I was very close with the Thai owners and uh, uh, really close and I was really close with, uh, with Tiger he was really involved uh, yeah. he wanted to know everything in a good way uh, he was not involved in a negative way. You have to do this, this, this. As long as you can explain why you want to do it. Uh, uh, really good to work with, to be honest. And uh, when the Chinese owners came in as well, I worked very close to them. But you know what? Uh, I don't think it is the owners for the people around the club um, with, with no good intentions. And um, it's a little bit sad uh, to hear and to see that good people... Um, yeah, they get misinformed, or people uh, try to be around them uh, with with uh, different intentions, no good intentions to help the club, but 
attention to uh, fill the pockets. Yeah. Do you That's think it's a problem like, with football now, with owners being overseas and not being around the day starting? Oh, Messi was there. He was there Messi. around the club. You could see it. But when you're relying on, like you say, voices in the club to tell you what's going on. Yeah. Oh, massively. Uh, and that's what I say, uh, because believe me, the only Chinese owners are really, really good people. Yeah. Really good people. But if you have people around them and surrounding the club and uh, doing bad things, have bad intentions with the club, this is what happened. The yeah. club is going down and, and, and it's a little bit sad because uh, I work very close with the owners and uh, I have no bad word on the owners, the Chinese owners, not, but also the Thai owners. Not. But if you have bad people around them, surrounding them, yeah, see what happened. What do you think the own yeah, the, the Thai owners left? And we've had, I think we've had four or five different owners now. Why, why do you think people move on? It's just people go, oh, it's not worked. We wanted to gamble to get to the Premier League. Now we're kind of bored. Move on to something else. What's what do you think that keeps happening with Reading owners changing so much? Yeah, that's why it's so important that you have an owner who has um, um, that they support. The footballing side, and the, the uh, and of course you need to think business side on the business side as well because you need to uh, create income and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, what you see with a lot of owners, they um, they try to flip the club for coming in, try to make money or whatever, and then flip the club to somebody else as well. And that's why it's so important that when an owner come in, that he uh, is supporting the footballing side as well and not only the business side. And that's what you see a lot with a lot of clubs, and it's happened with Reading as well. Yeah. I think we have over the last. A uh, couple of years, so many owners doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and Brian, so and, much and Brian, there, there's apparently you know measures in place to to make sure you know the the fit and proper owners test. I don't know what the actual name of it is, but do you think do you think that's working, or do you think it needs changing? Yeah, I think it is in the. Fifty-fifty-one. Uh, of course, it, it is always good yeah, that the wealthy people come in the club and try to support the club. But I think they they need to have uh, proper the diligence on on okay, what are the past, the, what's what's happening already, uh, but uh, and why they want to come in the club? Because what I just explained, you know, some people come in the club and, and, and I think only on the business side, but the footballer side is, of course, is the most important thing. Because if you if you do well, uh, the business side is going to work as well. And I think some people turn it around, think on the business side, but don't want to invest in the footballing side. So, yeah. Um, yeah. To be honest, I don't know uh, from the FA uh, how uh, how that process is working. So it's difficult for me to say, but it's my philosophy and how I think. Sure. How it should work. Yeah. Uh, um, and just looking back at Yapstam's time at the club, obviously it went well to start with. Um, why do you think it didn't sort of push on from from there, what what went wrong, if you like? Oh, um, I think from the start, uh, what I explained before, uh, the whole cohesion within the club was gone. The whole fight after the, the playoff final, uh, Nigel left. For me, was that a big blow? Um, and and I'm, I'm a loyal person because I couldn't make another step to another championship club as well, to two championship clubs as well. And um, but, but the biggest issue was we had a lead, we had a leader in the club who uh, had different intentions and uh, yeah, it didn't work out. And, and, and from if, if it don't work out in the top, it always coming down. Yeah, the top is sealed and and, and relaxed and, and there's a clear strategy 
them down will be be, be relaxed as well. But if everything is open and and it was all over the place, it will come down as well because um, I've never seen a CEO who's coming in a, a dressing room or is coming at the training ground within the where the players are eating and, and try to do the things on his own. It was, it was, it was chaos. Chaos. Yeah. And that, that from the start was okay. No good. And Johnny, I'll bring you in again in a second. But Brian, just want to kind of ask you, because you've you've said that, you know, Reading's kind of still in your heart. You've still got a fondness towards the club and you're looking out for them. What? Yeah. Where, where, where did that come from? Was it all about the people that you work with? Um, was it to do with other things as well? No, the funny one was I uh, when Tyone brought me in, um, the people didn't trust me in the beginning, you know. <laughs> That's the funny one. <laughs> Who's this Dutch guy, young boy coming in? Uh, but then they saw the, the way how I, how I wanted to work and uh, build a relationship with them. And then they see this boy is not is not a person who come with, with bad attention. And then you see that the people, uh, um, how can I say it in good English? Uh, they bring me close to the heart, and uh, I brought me at my home. They brought me the, uh, their family. We had dinners together, and then you're in the circle, you know. And I see how good the people are within the club, and that's what's for me uh, really important. Okay. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm always I have the club in my heart, and also the fans, to be honest. Uh, and there were some fans who were really critic, and uh, I, I went in a dialogue with them, and somewhere were really, yeah, why do this? And when I spoke to them and I explained, and I went, ah, okay, makes sense. And that's what I like, you know. Um, a lot of people are afraid to have a dialogue with fans or whatever. Uh, I didn't have any bad attention, so I explained them. Uh, this is happening, or there's no financial, uh, uh, there's no money within the club, so we have to do this, and etc. Cetera, et cetera. And as long as you can explain the fans, they are, they are not bad. But if you say, if you do silence, yeah, they're going to make their own story because they have their own thinking. But as long as, long as you explain them, they're, they're, they're all good because they pay money within the club. So you need to explain them. Yeah, Johnny. Over yeah, I say two things as a as a fan, and, and what was it like for you with the being at the playoff final, the uh, famous penalty loss, another one to our history. <laughs> so I, I had an interview. I think it was two months ago, and I saw the game back after all these years. I never, never, ever looked it back because for me it was a massive blow. It was a little bit of a fairy tale, like you know, you came in. Uh, with with no financial support, uh, I think in December uh, we had a small injection to brought. I think we brought five six players in, and uh, we even in the playoff final, and you had to score the penalty, and we were done, and we missed the penalty. So it was unbelievable. But two months, I think two three months ago, I saw the game back for after all these years. Still painful to watch. It is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Still uh, and then yeah. the following se- start of the following season, if I my memory saying right, we got it in Sonia Luco, didn't we, for a, a, a large, large fee for a club like Reading, and that kind of seemed to be was the start of the troubles. Um, I don't yeah. know what the number was, but it, it seemed to be that it was a lot. Um, seven, seven point five million. Yeah, I mean that's huge, isn't it, for a club like Reading? in the championship at that time. Yeah. The only thing what I can say, I was not happy with it. So let's be very clear on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, on, on the fee, because it was massive. It's on one player. Uh, um, I had other uh, other ideas. But again, this is what I explained before. It was 
another leader who uh, wanted to show off and uh, did the deal. And like, how how frustrating must that be for you trying to do what you're doing? Method, having... method because. The reason why I, I I try to get everybody together, you know, I have unhappy people within the academy, and I try to to make everybody happy. But if somebody else is going his own way, uh, what do I need to explain to my people downstairs? Yeah, you know, like bloody hell, this we're paying seven point five million on a player, but we need money in the academy. You know, so it was it was really 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 frustrating, and that's why uh, and I get a lot of a lot of stick from from players who sending a message of. Um, uh, fans sending me messages on social media within my inbox and well, what is this 7.5 blah, blah, blah. and the frustrating thing was you couldn't reply to them because it wasn't it wasn't me yeah. <laughs> you know but I get it you know it was crazy but uh, yeah it was, it was um, to be fair to the boy Tony was a very good boy and he had a fantastic season the season before so uh, yeah. I didn't have any problem with the boy I was happy when he came in but I was so happy with, uh, with the fee what he paid for it yeah. no chance <clears throat> And like now, Ron Gorley's at West Brom. Like, how how does that happen that somebody gets a job after <laughs> what's gone on? It's been kind of out in the public, isn't it? Yeah, that's a funny one because people send me a lot of messages. Uh, also, friends from from <laughs> send me messages like, oh, "Your mate is at West Brom, and uh, and you need to be professional." So I didn't reply on that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is what it is. I saw Swifties there as well, so uh, yeah, it's a funny one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Brian, just talk about um, your current role. So, you've, as I say, you've been with the Suriname FA for for a while, and you've recently um, taken on the role as as general manager. What are your um, ambitions in in that role and in the future as well? So, um, give you a little bit of background. Suriname is um, it's a small country in South America where I came from. A lot of Dutch people are from uh, from Suriname. Um, so what happened, I think, four years ago, uh, you can have a double passport. So the FIFA changed the rule a little bit. So a lot of players from Holland who, are, uh, who didn't play for the national team from Holland can now play for Sweden as well. Uh, so we started it. They uh, were, I think, three, three, two years ago, they were in the Gold Cup. It's a little bit equivalent like the, the European uh, champion in, uh, in Europe. Uh, and now we are uh, trying to qualify it again for the for the World Cup again. But uh, I started one and a half year ago and um, brought in uh, a big manager in and was Stanley Menso, who is now back to uh, to China with uh, Beijing Guan. Uh, he was a legend of the country, and now I brought another legend in, Adam Winter, with uh, together with Hank Tenkat. And I think now the big goal is to get to uh, 2026 the World Cup. And the reason why is because America, uh, Canada, and Mexico are the host. So there are three extra spots uh, free now in the in the CONCACAF. And uh, they're going up from 32 to 48, I think, in the World Cup. So the chances are is realistic. So that's why uh, the president within the country, uh, with the Football Federation, and uh, they all said, you know, we have to go through it. So there's now a development for, what is it, three years now. Uh, to convince players from Holland to play now for Sweden, which is happening at the moment now. So it is a big thing, exciting. And uh, that's why I'm here at the moment now to organize everything. But um, my biggest goal is to get to the to 2026 with, with Sweden. Yeah, and Johnny, over to you now. Have you got a um, final couple of questions for Brian? Yeah, yeah, Brian. Well, it's just lovely to hear speaking to you. Would you ever 
come back to Reading or, or come back to England in, in a role at some stage in the future? Is that something you'd Oh, yeah, visit? yeah, for sure. I, uh, I believe it or not, but last week I had a goal from <laughs> from a club in the, in the Championship. Well, I couldn't because I said I just gave my word over here. So uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, I was surprised on that one. Uh, but they were really like, okay, let's have a word. I said, I can't, I'm really loyal. But to go back to your question, if you ask my wife in the blow, she's there, she's back in uh, in Reading. So yeah, listen, this, this is my club, um, and for sure in the future, if, if the possibility is there, I think there are good people now, hopefully within the on the spot. So in the future, if the possibility is there, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And what was your highlight of your time at Reading for you personally? Personally, uh, oof. Of course, uh, what, what I like is you know, uh, that you brought some academy players from the academy towards the first team. That's for me, was for me, and happening. Uh, of course, you know, the playoff final. Of course, when you sign, yeah, when you uh, convince you have some to bring in. Um, but it's funny or not, the biggest thing is when I saw that the whole club was was one in the club, but also outside the club. Everybody was proud of Reading and, and happy yeah. about Reading, and that was my biggest achievement, I think. All right, Johnny. Yeah. Just um, just to mention, and unless I'm mistaken, I, I think we might have had a, an exclusive on this episode that um, Eric Ten Hag nearly signed for Reading a while back. But uh, I, I don't what know. What happened to him? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But um, Brian, absolutely um, fantastic to to have you on. Really appreciate your time and and, and wish you well with. Uh, everything you're doing with, with Suriname and hopefully see you at the, the World Cup. Um, hopefully. And uh, yeah, thanks ever so much for joining us. And just a reminder, here's what's coming up on the 1871 podcast this week. So tomorrow, Johnny and I are talking about um, influential people in Reading's history. Uh, then on Wednesday, we've got former Reading defender Andy Bernal as our guest. Thursday, Reading women's defender Lily Woodham is our guest. And then Friday, Linvoy Primus is our guest. And, and they're all available anytime from 6pm. So all that leaves me to say is thank you to Johnny and uh, thank you to our very special guest. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Brian, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.